we are reading Coraline by Neil Gaiman. This is dedicated to his daughters, Holly and Maddie. There is a quote in like two pages in. Fairy tales are more than true, not because they tell us that dragons exist, but because they tell us that dragons can be beaten. This is a quote from G.K. Chesterton or Chesterton. So this is a foreword, but it's actually kind of a meet your author, your author type of thing. He's going to explain why he wrote Coraline. That's usually what they do in foreword. So I'm just giving a little bit more backstory. Okay, so it says we moved into our flat in Little Mead in the tiny Sussex town of Nutley in South England in 1987 once on a time yeah once on a time it had been a manor house built for the old man who had once owned the house before he sold it to a pair of local builders told me the physician to the king of england himself lived here i guess or that's who it was built for which is kind of strange to me because it's pink i'm not saying that men can't love pink i mean it's just a really pink house you would think it was for a woman but he very well could have changed it once again it does say that he started it for one daughter and finished it for another one so i'm not going to say that changes can't have been made one of the things that was said in some of the theories was that yes it is in america but that's just the movie version because it was supposed to have been in england but i'm not entirely sure but um let's just keep reading it had been a manor house then but it was now converted into flats Flat number four, where we lived, was a good place, if a little odd. Above us, a Greek family. Hmm, so I guess that's Bobinski. Beneath us, a little old lady, half blind, who would telephone me whenever my children moved and tell me that she was not certain what was happening upstairs, but she thought that it must be elephants. (laughs) I was never entirely certain how many flats there were in the house, nor how many of them were occupied. That's kind of great. One of the theorists said that, uh, darn, (laughs) I'm not going to say it, uh, just in case you want to figure out on your own, but, um, I suspect that there are four. Now, in the movie... Uh, YB, or Why Were You Born, and his grandmother don't live in the Pink Palace. But Bobinski lives in, like, the attic. Uh, the sisters, the older sisters, live in, like, the basement. Coraline lives in, like, the middle. But chances are, since a manor is usually huge, like, huge, huge, um, they could very well have a fourth space that serves as an apartment um I've only seen like one or two manners in my life but I should think that yes it would be that big
We had a hallway running the length of the flat, as big as any room. At the end of the hall hung a wardrobe door as a mirror. When I started to write a book for Holly, his daughter, uh, he says she's five years old at the time, I said it in the house. It seemed easy. That way I wouldn't have to explain to her where anything was. I changed a couple of things, of course. Swapped the position of Holly's bedroom and the lounge. Then I took a closed oak panel door that opened onto a brick wall and a sense of place from the drawing room in the house I grew up in. So, part of the inspiration for the Pink Palace is the manor that he lives in with his family now and the house that he grew up in. Which is, it makes me feel a little easier. Because if it were all based on the same place and most of the physical things were actually in the same place, I would be just too creeped out. Even though I'm not in England. The house was big and old. It had been split into two just before we moved there. We had the servants' quarters except for one room. The oak panel drawing room, only for best, with a door at the end that had once been the family's entrance. Okay. And that now led nowhere. It opened onto a brick wall. Okay. I took that room and that door along with the front room of my grandmother's house, only for the best, not for the family, still life oil paintings of fruit on the walls, and I put them into the book I had started writing. This book was called Coraline. I had typed the name Cor. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just, I don't know. I'm getting excited and out of breath at the same time. Hmm. Okay. So the book was called Coraline. I had typed the name Caroline and it came out wrong. I looked at the word. Coraline, and I knew it was someone's name. I wanted to know what happened to her. Hmm. So, the A and the O were just switched. I don't know what kind of computer or laptop he had, but yeah, I don't like that. Anyway, Holly liked scary stories with witches and brave little girls in them. Those were the kind of stories she told me. So Holly's story was going to be scary. Okay, so he let you know it's a scary book. So I don't feel bad about being scared. <laughs> I wrote an opening that I later deleted. Man, as a podcaster and as uh, someone who, like, writes short stories, I can, I can very well, like relate to this like oh no I don't like that I'm gonna delete it or I'm gonna re-record this <laughs> I usually try to pick the recordings with the less um threatening because because sometimes I get into a book and I sound threatening and sometimes I sound tired but I'm interested that's why I keep reading is just when you're reading out loud it actually it takes a little bit more energy out of you because you're, 
you know, you're using your mouth and you're pushing out, you know, words, <laughs> even though those words are already written, it's like you're in a performative state. And then the fact that I actually pause my reading and I analyze things, that kind of makes it longer. I'm not saying that it makes it tedious. I'm just saying it makes it longer. And, you know, sometimes... I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, ugh. Like, let me just rest for a minute. And then I end up resting for like two hours. <laughs> and you know what's really funny? Sometimes I end up reading, like rereading the part that I already read or reading ahead or reading something else entirely. This is the story of Coraline, who was small for her age and found herself in darkest danger hmm some of these words I mean like the way that they're worded I mean I constantly think I'm reading it wrong <laughs> but it's maybe just the way that he he writes it before it was all over Coraline had seen what lay behind mirrors and, oh wait, there's no comma there, sorry. Would lay behind mirrors and had a close call with a bad hand and had come face to face with her other mother. She had rescued her true parents from a fate worse than death and triumphed against overwhelming odds. This is the story of Coraline who lost her parents and found them again and more or less escaped, more or less unscathed. I stopped writing Holly's book when we moved to America. I had been writing it in my own time. It didn't seem like I had any own time any longer. Six years later, I picked it up and continued from the middle of the sentence I'd stopped at in August 1992. Also, um, as a writer, I can also agree with this. Sometimes it's writer... Uh, sorry. Sometimes it's writer's block, and sometimes I can see the story going in a specific way, and it's like, dang, I don't want it to go there. And if it goes there, if someone else reads it and they like the way that it's gone, you know, from the first draft, they're going to, you know, push for me to keep that. And it's something that I didn't even want to write in the first place. But it came from my mind, and in order to stop something that I know I would not like in the future. I most definitely, I'm just going to stop. <laughs> and then I'll pick it up. And sometimes it's a completely different um, work that starts to sew itself together. Um, and sometimes it's the same thought that I had back when I stopped. And it's like, dang, <laughs> it's inevitable. I just have to roll with it but I've never stopped a project I've never stopped a project for six years um but then again I don't have children <laughs> it was hello said Caroline how did you get in the cat didn't say anything Caroline got out of bed I started it again because I realized that if I didn't my youngest daughter Maddie who uh, my, yeah, his youngest daughter, Maddie, I thought he put an age on there, he didn't, would be too old for it by the time I was done. I started it for Holly. I finished it for Maddie. 
Now we are living in a gothic old house in the middle of, uh, yeah, in the middle of America with a turn it and a wraparound porch. Uh, that's actually in, um, <clears throat> the movie, which I like. Is it pink? <laughs> Is this house that he's living in pink? <laughs> okay, the wraparound porch has steps to it. It's a house built over a hundred years ago by a German immigrant, um, a cartographer, that's someone who makes maps, and an artist. His son Henry was said to be was said to have been the first man to put an engine on a boat or on a bicycle and was described as the greatest creative figure in the history of racing cars. Hmm. Okay, so he left the imprint on um, cars, so I'm guessing like drag racing and NASCAR type racing because he said an engine, so. But is it a motorbike or... Hmm. Okay, well, I guess we will know. Um, anyway, now I was writing Coraline again. I still had no time. I, um, I also, <sighs> this is so annoying for me because when I don't have time, it's when I want to do the most. It's when I am the most creative, when I'm the most just inspired by everything, when I'm Sometimes when I'm just like, I need to relax. <laughs> I need to relax. I need to do something. But when I have the time, like so much time, ugh, for some reason, it just doesn't get done. Or it gets done, but at the slowest pace possible. Like, usually I'm at like an 80 you know and I'm like okay I'm doing this I'm doing that I'm doing this I'm doing that and I'm busy and there's so much that I want to write down there's so much that I want to record so much that I want to read and brush up on for the podcast for our for our website for um you know just creating my uh my future academy award winning novel <laughs> I'm just speaking to the future. And then I slowed, like, when I have, like, I have things to do. It's just I have to wait for people because a lot of things, even though I would love to do them on my own, I can't. There's always, like, an obstacle that would cost too much or this or that. And I'm like, oh, man. And then just other times... I have to wait on people. I have to wait on people to decide when they are going to help me or when they are going to decide to do their job. <laughs> so it's like, ugh. And then instead of staying at that 80% pace, I like drop down to like 40. And then 35. Sometimes I slide right into 20%. And that is not a very productive life. Mm. That's one of the things that I, I just really don't like. Now, um, so I'm just, just saying when he says, I still had no time. I feel like I feel all of that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he says, so I would write 50 words a night in bed before I fell asleep. 
I went on a cruise to raise money for the First Amendment. That's the one about freedom of speech in comics. Um, freedom of speech, that's in parentheses. In comics, I finished it in a little cabin on a lake in the woods. Dave McKean, artist and friend, took photographs of Little Mead, which he then played with to make the house on the back of the cover of Coraline. And I'm looking at it. It's cute, but it's really dark. I can't, I really can't see. I can't, I can't really make out anything. Okay. Um, and then it says, yada, 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 yada. When Henry Selleck made his stop motion animated film of Coraline, he invited me to the studio. There were a lot of sets there. Each behind a black curtain, Henry proudly showed me the house that Coraline lived in in the film. She moved from somewhere in England to Oregon now. And the house she was in was called the Pink Palace. Okay, so it probably wasn't pink at the, at the first time. Okay. That's my house, I told Henry. And it was. Henry Silk's Pink Palace was the house I live in now. Oh my god, turret and porch and all. None of us were quite sure how that happened, but it seems strangely appropriate for the book that was started for one daughter in one house and finished for another in another house. The book was published in 2002, and people liked it. It won awards. Most importantly than that, it worked, at least for some people. Um... Chances are, Coraline's on the band book list. Um, when I, you know, check the... Because there's a band books week down here in the south. There's, there's a band books week. And I know a lot of uh, instances where people, like, will assign more homework. I've noticed that some teachers would assign more homework and uh some parents would I don't know like raise questions or what I'm just gonna say during band books week you usually see a lot more parents there and some kids have in their library files their kid is not allowed to be here and there during band books week. But you know one thing that I find so interesting? Some of the most classic, well, considered classical literature has some of the raunchiest things in it. Some of the silliest things like it's more problematic to act the way that they do rather than just having a conversation and sitting down and talking. So... It always, like, irked me. Like, why are you banning books, woman or man? It's some fathers there, too. But stereotypically, it's mostly mothers. But, you know, whatever. Um, Let me continue. I wanted to write a story for my daughters that told them something I wished I'd known when I was a boy. That being brave didn't mean you weren't scared. Being brave meant you were scared. Really scared. Badly scared. And you did the right thing anyway. So now, 10 years later, 
I've started running into women who tell me that Coraline got them through hard times in their lives. That when they were scared, they thought of Coraline and they did the right thing anyway. And that, more than anything, makes it all worthwhile. Neil Gaiman, December 5th, 2011. Um, I don't know if... I don't know if my actual books will do this, but I should hope that it helps, you know? The fact that this was kind of like a throwaway project, well, not really a throwaway project, but a private one for his daughters that also um, was made with love and care. He took time on this. Um... He actually, you know, put effort into it. Because I've seen some children's books. They're not, there's not like a lot of effort into it. And I'm like, and you say this is for an eight-year-old? Are you sure this isn't for like a four-year-old? Because, you know, the language is really basic. And I'm like, huh, really? I always wondered why they were doing it because like I looked at this book and it was a big book well it wasn't really a big book it was a medium sized and it was a colorful book and like it was sort of thick it would most definitely be thick for a five-year-old but for an eight or nine-year-old I thought okay and then I looked at it it was mostly glossy pictures. It was kind of like a comic book. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with a comic book. I like them on occasion. But I was I was a little upset. I was, okay, not a little. I was really not having it. I was like, you must think your children are stupid or something. I don't know. But whatever. These books sell. And... Teachers use them as reading tools. But all I'm saying, it says like seven and up. But it's meant for, it's meant for seven-year-olds. And I'm like, uh, maybe I just have too much of expectations or whatever. But um, that is the end of this episode. So this is basically like an introductory episode. Um... Sorry if you thought we were actually going to read, like, the whole book. But this is just a preview into the book. And um, it's just a, a foreword. It's sort of meet your author type thing. And I hope to see you guys for the actual reading of it. And that's when I'm going to start the timer. And it should be... I'm going to say about three episodes so it's going to be four episodes in all of this I'll just re-record the first episode of the third season that I planned and I will make this my third season um just because it'll flow better because I actually don't even know what to number this I can't put any more seasons I mean any more episodes in season two because you know every season is a book that's read and discussed and maybe um a Netflix discussion or um a 
topic discussion here and there, but we're here for the books and the impact that they make on our other forms of media and the the people who get touched by whatever book that we are reading at whatever time. So I'm actually glad that it says, because on the back it says ages 8 and up. <clears throat> so I'm glad that people who are older actually do read the book. And I'm glad that it's easily digestible and understandable and that it actually is entertaining for an older audience. And it's not like, you know, dumbed down. For some reason, a lot of people think that children need stories that are dumbed down or sorry my sister's snoring <laughs> a lot of people think that children need something that's dumbed down so that they can understand it but if it's complex and if you stay on it long enough then you can go ahead and break down not dumb down a complex idea so that is the end of this episode. I will see you guys um, in a little bit. Hopefully in the next episode. See you later. Have a good day. And peace.